Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. G'day, Dan Illich here, just barging in front of Jan before she kicks off the podcast. Do you know that nearly 295,000 young people in Australia between 18 and 24 are not enrolled to vote? Yes, that means about 2,000 young people per electorate unenrolled to vote. And that is a serious amount of people, um, particularly when you get down to margins, like 1.3%, like in Wentworth, where I live. So if you are a young person who is between 18 and 24, please go to the AEC website, aec.gov.au forward slash enroll, and make sure you have your name on the ballot because uh, we need young people to make change. Young people believe in good stuff like, you know, climate action and, you know, affordable housing and a whole bunch of other things certain governments don't believe in. So please head to aec.gov forward slash enroll and enroll before 8pm Monday, the 18th of April. You've only got until 8pm to enrol to vote. I know, they made it really difficult for you. So please, if you are one of the 295,000 young people who are listening to this podcast right now, go to aec.gov.au forward slash enrol. This episode is supported by the Jib Foundation. Australia will go to the polls on Saturday, May the 21st. The latest news poll showing that Scott Morrison is pushing ahead as preferred Prime Minister. Good evening. It only took the first full day of campaigning to produce the first blunder of the federal election. Anthony Albanese wants to be Prime Minister. How could he not know something as basic as the unemployment rate or the official cash rate? And the Prime Minister has once again faced voter anger at a pub, this time in Western Sydney. Watch this. You're a disgrace! You are a disgrace! Jan Fran has issues. Breaking down the election one issue at a time. Brought to you by a rational fear. Hello and welcome to episode three of Jan Fran has issues. I am Jan Fran. 
This is the potty where we break down the election one issue at a time. When I say we, I'm talking about myself and my co-host, Dan Illick. And Dan, since the last time we recorded the episode, mm. guess what? Guess what? Guess what, what mate? What? An election's what? been called. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought that would happen? Hey, uh, Jan, I've got a question for you. What's Pizza Hut's number, Jan? What's Pizza Hut's number? I genuinely know the answer to this question, and I know the <laughs> tune as well, and it's 948 If anyone would like me to be prime minister, I'm here, I'm ready. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know my facts and figures, people. Uh, well, this week our big topic is the cost of living. That's going to be a massive issue in the lead-up to the election. Before we get to our key issue, though, we are going to take issue with a big story that happened this week. Daniel, what are we taking issue with this week? We are taking issue with specifically gotcha questions where Mm. journalists will wheel out some arcane question that you can easily look up in a table or on Google, as Adam Bant put it, and uh, and find out the answer real quick. You know, we live in an information age, Jan, where we don't have to keep this stuff in our head, but somehow journalists think you do. So the story here is that uh, some uh, a journalist asked Anthony Albanese about the cash rate, what the cash rate was, and about what the unemployment rate was, and Anthony Albanese could not answer the question. Let's let's hear the one about the unemployment rate. Um, Andrew, what's the national unemployment rate? National unemployment rate at the moment is, uh, I think it's five point four. Sorry. Okay, Uh, clearly uncomfortable there, did not know the unemployment rate or couldn't recite it in that particular moment. And do you know what, Dan? What? I don't give a shit. I don't care. I don't care if the opposition leader or the prime minister cannot recite a particular fact and figure. I don't care if they don't know the unemployment rate in that particular moment. I care what they're going to do about the unemployment yeah, rate. But That's also, what I care he's about. Also, he's also the Labor leader. Like he's, his whole job is representing unemployed people. He should know what the unemployed, uh, unemployment rate is. And it's been well publicised over the last few months. Like this is one well, of the things. that's the point. Do. I mean, it's been covered. You can look it up with Google. There's <laughs> going to be, there's no, there's genuinely going to be a thousand facts and figures and stats like this over the course of this election campaign that are going to be relevant and they're going to be pertinent because the scope of the election is so large and we're looking at so many issues. I really do not expect our leaders to retain rote information. What I want from them is a strategy on how they plan to make this country better, genuinely. I would love to hear both leaders tell me just how many parts per million of carbon there is in the atmosphere. That's what I want to know. <laughs> and what is we the square all... root of pi? Well, it's the, the, but that for me, that's a huge number. That's 419 million parts per million in the atmosphere. And it wasn't that five years ago. That's what I'm concerned with. See, at least somebody can can retain facts and figures. That's, yeah, that's you. But see, this, this is kind of part of a, a slightly longer trend because Scott Morrison was asked about the price of bread in February. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't uh, address the National Press Club. Here's the question. Can you tell me the price of a loaf of bread, a litre of petrol and a rapid antigen test? I'm not going to pretend to you that I'd do that. I'll leave those sort of things to you, mate. <laughs> and that's fair enough. Do you know what? It's different everywhere. Like where I live, Jan, a loaf of bread in Bondi is about 20 bucks. Where you live, Jan, a loaf of bread is $3.50 and it's just the white stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, like it's just, it's, you know, it's different where you live. And a litre of petrol, I, my, the petrol station next to my house is the most expensive in the country. 
So a litre of petrol here is like $2.20. It's crazy. Do you know if you ask me how much a loaf of bread cost, like right now in this moment, I don't think I would be able to give you a clear answer. And I bought bread yesterday. <laughs> I went yeah, to the yeah. shops and um, bought bread and it was Turkish bread in case anybody wants to know and I don't know <laughs> exactly how much it cost me. So there was a third person who um, got got gotcha'd, I guess. He got a question thrown to him. It was Adam Bant who this week, again addressing the National Press Club, uh, was asked this question. And just very quickly, talking of abject fact-checking exercises, what's the current WPI? Google it, mate. <laughs> Google it, mate. That's how you do it. Just Google it, mate. We know what you're doing. You're trying to catch the leader of the Greens out so you can probably look good to your colleagues and everyone else by saying, ha-ha, I gotcha. But full credit to Adam Ben. He said Google it, then went on a diatribe about gotcha questions and then said, yeah, it's about 2.3, it's about 2 point something percent. He actually knew the answer. Now, I don't know, no, 2 point something percent is a little fuzzy, but it's pretty bang on because it's 2.3%. I also feel like, look, I'm a journalist. I, I Journalists are my people. It is my profession. I spend a lot of time defending them. I think at some point we just have to say, you know what, maybe we do have our heads up our own asses a bit and maybe we shouldn't be trying to kind of one-up each other and get catch these politicians out. I don't know. I saw a great tweet on Twitter uh, where somebody said that, Poor Ron Meisen, he just caught onto a trend just before it was becoming a little bit distasteful to do. Like he, he just jumped on it and decided to do it, have a laugh with himself, but then it then absolutely got completely mowed down. For yeah, it. and speaking of that diatribe, well, Adam Bant um, did, you know, give us a bit of an election pitch as well in his answer to Ron Meisen, who is the journo from the Australian Financial Review that asked that question. Here's what he said. Like, elections should be about reaching for the stars and offering a better society. It would be passing laws that lift the minimum wage. It would be making dental and mental into Medicare. It would be making sure that we wipe student debt and build affordable houses. Wow, that was such an Obama moment. I'm inspired. Yes, we Greens. Let's do it. Yes, ma'am. You know why? Because that's what this episode is about, my friends. It is about the cost of living. That's the Greens pitch that you're going to hear from Labor and Liberal in just a second. But first, what's the deal with the cost of living? Here is the deal with the cost of living. You are paying more for stuff you need. Groceries, petrol, housing. Wait, coffee? <laughs> There are a few reasons for these cost increases. First, there's COVID. It's disrupted supply chains, meaning goods just don't get to where they're meant to go on time. Second, there's the war in Ukraine. Russia is the world's second largest oil producer. It's copped a bunch of sanctions, supply is uncertain, cost goes up. Third, there's inflation. That's the cost of goods over time. Now, a bunch of factors contribute to inflation. What you need to know is that it's rising globally and Australia is no exception. Fourth, there's the cash slash interest rate. They're not exactly the same thing, but essentially it's the interest that banks require you to pay on a loan. It has been hurting bloody low for a decade, which has led more people to take out loans, which has driven up the cost of houses, you may have noticed. The only way for that cash rate to go is up, baby, which means if you are mortgaged to the eyeballs, as 35% of Australian households are, you'll be paying more each month. Oh, and rents are up. Significantly. Did I mention that wage growth has been slow? No? Well, it has. So how will all of this impact you? Well, that sort of depends on your circumstances. Are you a single parent on a low income? Are you renting in your 20s? 
Are you half of a dink couple? That stands for dual income, no kids. Are you a pensioner? Are you on welfare? The reality, though, is that because so many of the factors that drive up the cost of living seem to be coming together in the year of our Lord 2022, everyone is bound to be impacted in some way. Hence why this is a massive election issue and why the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, made a point of tackling cost of living in his budget last month. Did he nail it? Well, they were definitely sweetness. But if you ask those who advocate for low-income earners and welfare recipients, they say, yeah, not really. Also, as much as we'd like to think that good policy will fix the rising cost of living, if it's caused by these global external factors, then there's only so much that our major parties can do, right? Right? There's only so much they can do. What can they do? What are they putting forward? I think the best way to find out Dan and I thought that we mm. would pit them against each other. Yeah, yeah. It's some kind of Thunderdome-esque yes. economist battle. Uh, <laughs> they're just there throwing numbers at each other. You know, numbers I know, you and I know, like uh, 2.3%, which is the WPI, uh, and, 4, <laughs> and 4%, which is the unemployment rate. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, and the cash reserve rate is 0.1%. These are, the, these are numbers I know, Jen. I know these numbers because I've been paying attention this week. Yeah, well, uh, certain people haven't apparently. But look, they did decline to let us put them in a stadium and allow them to fight to the death. They said no, they refused. Instead, what we've given Labor and Liberal is an elevator pitch. 60 seconds to put forward your plan to tackle cost of living in Australia. So in one corner, Mm. I'm mixing up my fighting metaphors now. I think think we're in a boxing ring. In one lift. In one elevator, we've got the finance minister, Simon Birmingham. In the other elevator, slash boxing corner, slash stadium, we've got opposition treasurer, Jim Chalmers. Mm. Like I said, each of them have 60 seconds to put forward their plan. And we have a very special referee who'll be watching from the sidelines, Ebony Bennett from the Australia Institute and host of Follow the Money podcast. Welcome, Ebony. Welcome, Ebony. Thank you so much. Uh, how does it feel to go from being a host of a podcast to being an elevator operator? <laughs> Look, it's everything that I've dreamed of and more. We love that for you. And you're going to be equipped with a referee whistle. So we're going to play you the pitches. Anytime you have a question, anytime something sus pops up, anytime there's a red flag, anytime you feel like you need elaboration, you just blow that whistle and once the pitch is over, we're going to come to you and find out well, how, how many whistles have you blown, how many red <laughs> cards have you given to each <laughs> to each party member and why. So at the end, does the party with the least amount of whistles get a free kick? Is that how, is that how it works, Jen? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which sport we're now currently referring to, but let's just we've say... We've got lifts, we've got whistles, we've got pitches. <laughs> oh. A fighting ring. I've got to say, every economy needs lots of different metaphors to get it across <laughs> the line and touch base and under par. Let's go. Let's go. Full credit to the boys. Let's start. Simon Birmingham, what do you got? 60 seconds, baby. Give us your pitch. Cost of living pressures are real for many Australians right now and Russia's war on Ukraine, the aftershocks of COVID-19, they're having real impacts. 
That's why the Morrison government has delivered to make sure that there's more support for more Australian households. Our two stages of income tax reforms delivered to date are putting thousands of dollars of extra take-home pay in the wages of many Australians. Recently, we increased the rates of pension and other cost of living payments, and we're providing targeted additional supports to those on fixed incomes, as well as those in low and middle incomes. We acted to address uh, the spike in petrol prices by cutting 22 cents a litre from the fuel excise. In the recent budget, we also demonstrated ongoing support for those who use medicines most, making them cheaper for a couple of million Australians. Our childcare reforms have provided ongoing assistance through two waves of reforms targeted to those Australians on the lowest incomes, working the longest hours, making sure they get the greatest support to pay for their childcare bills. <laughs> oh, right on the bell, a whistle. How many whistles for Simon Birmingham? Oh, was like I wasn't five, keeping track six? there. I think there was uh, five or six. Yeah. No, I, I reckon it was four, four whistles for Minister Birmingham. Why? Where where, where were they coming from? Uh, where he started to talk about that the government had provided more support for Australian households, what he wasn't saying there was that a lot of that support is temporary. So uh, he talked about the, the one-off payments that are going to people on fixed incomes like pensioners and those on unemployment benefits. That $250 is really great. People will welcome that. Mm. But that's only once off and that's it. Whereas a lot of the permanent help for cost of living is actually going to go in big income tax cuts for people earning like $200,000 a year Mm. in a couple of years time. That help will be permanent. And a lot of the tax cuts that we've seen for low and middle income earners, the LAMITO it's called, the low and middle income tax offset, Mm. uh, that's ending this year basically. So people will get that support this year, but next year that's going to disappear. So a lot of this support is really quite temporary. Wow. Ebony, Ebony, what I'm hearing from you is if you're on fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, you should be trying to get one of those two hundred thousand dollar plus jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're out there on trees, I'm sure, just waiting for us mm-hmm. all to uh to apply yeah. for them. All right, what was the second whistle for? I think it was around um, where he talked about the two stages of tax cuts. Coming down the line, we have these huge, what are they called, the stage three income tax cuts. They're going to cost the budget about $17 billion a year. And they're going to go to people who are really struggling on $200,000 a year. And the Morrison government thinks that they need an extra $9,000 in tax cuts every year and that they will get those every year forevermore until we change the tax rates again. So that's, you know, I think what he's not saying in that little that little bit about tax cuts. Yeah, I have always said this. Won't someone think of the upper middle class, please? Okay, whistle whistle number three. I mean, you've got your regular pool, but you also need your plunge pool. And that costs about $9,000, Jack, a plunge pool. I've done the research. I mean, I don't own a house yet. Uh, I look at domain and realestate.com.au like it's porn, uh, but uh, maybe one day I can afford a plunge pool too. Dare to dream. Whistle three. I think that might have been around um, cutting the fuel excise. Uh, That was one of the measures the government put in the budget. That's because petrol prices have gone up dramatically, although it's worth noting that it was already getting close to $2 a litre well before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. So that was already an existing um, problem just made worse by that war. Uh, But that's a real Band-Aid solution and 
terrible climate policy to boot mm-hmm. as well. So imagine if that money had been spent over the last nine years that this Morrison government or the, the coalition has been in government, encouraging people to uptake electric vehicles or investing in public transport. You know, petrol price spikes wouldn't be a problem if you didn't have to buy petrol. Petrol. Yeah, it's only temporary. It's only in for six months. So in six months' time, you're you're out of luck. Petrol prices will be going up again. Six months, that's just another wave of Omicron, you know? Hit that and then we're back, <laughs> we're back out on the road. Well, but Paying more importantly... Price. More importantly, it's just enough to get them, you know, over the next six weeks of the election and to the other side. So I think probably mm. they felt like three months seemed too obvious what they were doing there. <laughs> right. So they've just extended it to six. Okay, you gave a fourth uh, whistle there as well, and that was when Birmingham was talking about childcare. So what's going on there? So the childcare reforms that the government have introduced have been modest at best. So rather than actually fixing the problem, they've more or less kind of faffed about as at the edges. And is that better than nothing? Yes, it is. Uh, but fixing those actual problems with childcare would be so much better. And the reason why I kind of um, blew the whistle on that one is because the government did get it right. It did an amazing job during the pandemic. It brought in free childcare, really specifically to help uh essential workers, but, you know, that actually benefits everyone because it benefits the whole economy. We know that in places uh, where childcare is much cheaper or more affordable, women's participation in the workforce increases, and that helps boost GDP overall, but it also helps make sure women don't end up in poverty in retirement. So I think the government, you know, did it really well, but again, temporarily, and then mm. withdrew that. And so that's why I find that so disappointing because, you know, they, they did get it right and they helped the economy. They helped women at one point and then, you know, that's um they've put it back in back in their pocket again. Childcare is just so expensive, isn't it? It's absolutely zany how how much it costs. I mean, I know that's why Jan's doing this podcast so she can pay for childcare in a few months time. <laughs> it's like, you know, putting it in the bank. You know, that project money is just day-to-day money. This podcast is childcare money. Dan, if only you knew how sadly accurate what you just said is. (laughs) I am currently carrying a fetus that is six and a half months old that I had to enroll in a childcare (laughs) because I I just kept getting told you've got to enroll the baby before they're born. That's how hard it is to get into childcare. So I've already got the heebie-jeebies about childcare, believe me. Okay, what what, what I'm hearing, Ebony, I'm hearing you use the word temporary quite a lot. So this this sounds like a lot of short-term sweeteners that we're hearing from the coalition. Let's see, let's see what Labor has to say. We've got Jim Chalmers. He is the shadow treasurer. Here is his 60-second pitch for us. Get in the elevator, Jim. Take it away. Hi, everyone. Jim Chalmers here from Federal Labor. We know that everybody out there in Janfran land is doing it tough. Uh, Everything's going up except your pay, which means you're working hard, but you aren't getting ahead under this government. We also know these pressures didn't just begin with the war in Ukraine. And it's not just the price of petrol that's been going up. There's rent, childcare, groceries, and wages haven't been growing as fast as they've needed to for years. If you earn the average pay, you'd be $307 a week better off now if your wages were still growing at the same rate they did under the last Labor government. So we've got a plan to get wages moving again for cheaper childcare, cheaper power, bills and more secure, well-paid jobs. 96% of families will be better off under our cheaper childcare policy, many of them saving thousands of dollars a year. 
and our plan for cleaner and cheaper energy will cut power bills by $275 a year by 2025. It'll take you less than a minute to vote this election day. Use that time wisely, otherwise you could be paying for it in the next three years. All right, Jim Chalmers there with how many whistles? I counted three. Let's go back. Where 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 are they coming from? Well, first of all, he, he was just a lot more concise, so it was hard to get in there <laughs> with the whistles for everything. But around uh, the points that he was making around wages, I guess I would say he is right. Um, it's not just um, that inflation started rising when we had the war in Ukraine and things. We've had those pressures for a while now. But wages, you know, that has been a problem for a really long time, not just since the pandemic, uh, all the way back to 2013 and arguably longer than that. And that's because Australia has really designed its whole industrial relations system effectively to push down wages. That's not um, a flaw. That's actually a design feature, um, which Matthias Cormann belled the cat on uh, a few years back. So uh, it's a, a really important point to make because people wouldn't be having as much problem with rising prices um, and inflation if their wages had been keeping pace ahead of that. So that's really the problem that people have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Labor talked about in in their budget reply, um, they've got a solid plan for increasing wages in the aged care sector. And Anthony Albanese made a point of saying that he supports higher wages, but there didn't really seem to be a concrete plan from Labor on how they intend to increase the wages of everyday Australians. Am I correct in that? Yeah, so uh, basically there's a, a case before the... Um, I want to give red flags too. That's 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 what I'm saying here. <laughs> Jen, I wanna, Jen, I'm going to blow a whistle now Jen, as well. thank you, Jen. It's not a red flag, it's a whistle. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I still don't know what, what it, sport we're actually right. playing. <laughs> if Ebony's got a whistle and you've got a red flag... I've got a harmonica. Okay, All right, okay. let's go. You didn't you didn't want a Vuvuzela or something, you know, like major <laughs> no. to get in there? Look, I think it's important that the government does have a huge role to play, particularly in setting the wages of aged care workers because it's the primary funder of aged care. Certainly if Labor was to provide additional funding to the sector and to perhaps tie that to workforce outcomes um, to make it kind of a quid pro quo of we'll put in this additional money, but in return mm-hmm. you actually have to pass it on to the workers because we have seen more money go into the sector in the past and instead it's gone into building things like new decks for nursing homes when actually they can't afford to give people proper meals that are nutritious, for example. Oh, come on, Ebony. Come on, Ebony. We all know how the trickle-down effect works. You just give it to the people at the top and then uh, you get the scraps left over from them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you you had a third whistle there around childcare as well. This seems to be a bit of a sticking point. What's what's going on there? Yeah, look, childcare, but also uh, his comment around um, making electricity bills cheaper. That was one I wanted to pick up on as well. So Labor's childcare policy is better than the government's, but the fact is really that they could go further free or low-cost, high-quality childcare and early childhood education um, has huge economic benefits as well as a cost-of-living benefit for families. And it's just something that we have not got right up until this point. But I thought it was really interesting, his comment around electricity bills. You know, those are a necessity. We know that necessities are one of the big problems with inflation. They are going up much more than discretionary um, inflation on things like takeaway coffees. So electricity bills... um, 
Jim Chalmers was right to say basically that Labor's um, policy would put downwards pressure on electricity bills and that's because they want to invest much more in renewable energy and battery storage. The existing coalition government has done a lot to basically starve funding from building mm. renewable energy um, and we know that the more renewable energy enters the market, the more it pushes down wholesale prices um, and that's really good for all households and so he put that figure on it there but that's what people need to know. The more more renewable energy that comes into the electricity market, um, which is much a stronger policy under Labor, that will really help all households who use electricity in the national electricity mm. market. So I thought that was a, a really important point to pull out because the coalition government, by contrast, uh, is really doing a lot to actually subsidise the problem and build new uh, yeah. and expensive gas-fired power stations, for example. So they are headed in quite a different direction. We've heard for so long that they really love technology, not taxes, but it, it appears that they're actually just taxing the technology, like cutting ARENA and, and the Clean Energy Finance Corporation in the, in the last budget. These are the people that are responsible for new renewable technologies. It's, it's absolutely hypocritical. Yeah, oh, a politician being hypocritical? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Okay, so I counted three whistles for Jim Chalmers, but now that I'm blowing my own whistle or tooting my own horn or whatever, Labor was considering raising the job seeker payment. It is now no longer considering that. That is off the table. What is that going to do to the cost of living, particularly for those on lower incomes? I think this is really a big weakness for both the coalition and Labor because people on fixed incomes, really specifically those on unemployment benefits, those on JobSeeker, live below the poverty line. It's not enough each week. Uh, the government actually did a really amazing thing during the pandemic. It brought hundreds of thousands of people out of poverty by temporarily doubling um, the the income of job seeker with a, a supplement, but that went away mm. and plunged a whole lot of people, about 600,000 people back below the poverty line, including many, many thousands of children. And so we're still in this um, situation where anyone who's on job seeker, basically sometimes they have to skip meals. Sometimes they're making choices between can I eat this week or can I buy my medicine this week? And really, I think it's a big failing Labor has ruled out having a review into that. That was something they took to the last election. So really um, a lot wanting from both Labor and the coalition on, yeah, in that respect. I remember the stories about how folks could help themselves out of poverty for that period where they could buy their kids brand new school shoes for the first time. And something about just that example really touched me. I'm, I was lucky enough to grow up in like a middle-class family and we got brand new school shoes every year. You know, the idea that you have to make a choice between a meal or brand new school shoes would be, you know, preposterous to to folks in the middle class. But that is that is uh yeah. The reality for reality many people. For yeah. yeah. All right, you heard it here first, people. Ebony Bennett from the Australia Institute. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your referee skills, your elevator skills, your stadium skills, your football <laughs> skills. I don't know where we are. Oh, I'm going to add all that to my resume. <laughs> Before you go, can you just hit P5? I've just got to go down to my car. <laughs> Jan Fran has issues. Weird election history. Weird election history. election history. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Jan. Has anyone ever asked you to sing the national anthem at the 
grand final. <laughs> they haven't. And I wonder why. Oh, God. <laughs> we should fix that. We should fix that. Well, this is a segment called Weird Election History. It does exactly what it says on the box. And because this episode is about the cost of living, absolutely we are going to serve you up some very weird election history that pertains to the cost specifically of a cake. Now, I know that you know Mm. this this story, Dan. Marie Antoinette, the famous um, French royal, once said, let them eat cake. I think John Hewson, the former leader of the Liberal Party, will never say let them eat cake ever again. No, absolutely. And if he does, he'd be saying let them eat cake plus 15% for GST. (laughs) If you want to know what we're talking about, we've got the dulcet tones of Ray Martin with this story time about how the cost of living stopped someone from potentially becoming Australia's next Prime Minister. Our story begins in the Americas. You know it as the birthplace of Joe Rogan. In 1987, the US stock market crashed, sending shockwaves around the global economy. At the same time, we were experiencing our own 80s hangover. And we were sitting on a housing bubble that was just about to... And the years leading to the 1993 election were bad. How bad? Well, unemployment reached 11%. 10,000 people went on the dole in a week. And both the Victorian and South Australian state banks collapsed. The treasurer at the time, you may know him as Prime Minister Paul Keating, well, he called it... The recession that Australia had to have. So it was no surprise that going into the 1993 election, the opposition's John Hewson was the front-runner, with some papers calling the election unlosable. But to win, he would need more than a big lead. He would need a big plan. A plan so big it could save the economy from going down the drain. It included sweeping tax cuts, slashes to government spending, and at the centre of it all, the introduction of a new 15% goods and services tax. You know it as GST. Houston had all his bases covered. All that was left was to name the damn thing. It needed a name that the country could rally around, a name that inspired grit and resolve. He called it Fightback. Despite its simple name, Fightback was complicated and confused voters. Maybe worst of all, no one could get their head around what GST would actually mean. Facts in hand and ready to face the nation, Houston sat down for a primetime interview with a current affairs Mike Willisey who would change the course of the election with one simple question. If I buy a birthday cake from a cake shop and and GST is in place, do I pay more or less for that birthday cake? We may never know what went through John Houston's mind when he was asked the cost of a birthday cake, but we imagine that it might have been something like this. Cake? Do teachers say cake? Oh, shit, I've got figures for milk, bread, even lollies. Damn it, John, you idiot. How do we miss cake? All right, mate, this is what we train for. Cake, cake, cake. Ah, mum's chocky cake. Yeah, I can almost taste it. Okay, uh, two cups of self-raising flour. That's 15 cents plus GST. Okay, the four. One cup of sugar, 10 cents. Uh, vanilla essence. Uh, always remember to lick the spoon. Oh, shit, shit, shit. Oh, okay, okay, speak, man, speak. Well, it will depend whether cakes today in that shop are subject to sales tax or they're not, firstly. They may have a sales tax on them. Let's assume 
that they don't have a sales tax on and then that, that that birthday cake is going to be sales tax free and of course you wouldn't pay it would be exempt it would, so there would be no gst on it under our system if it was a one with a sales tax today it would attract the gst and then the difference would be the difference between the two taxes whatever the sales tax rate is on birthday cakes how it's decorated because there'll be sales tax perhaps on some of the decorations as well and then of course the price the price will reflect that accordingly Smelling blood, Mike Willisey went in for the kill. Just on the birthday hmm. cake, I'll just try to pick a simple example. You tell us in what you've published that the cost of cake goes down, hmm. the cost of confectionery goes up. That's right. And there's it's icing and maybe ice cream. And then there's candles on top of it. Fuck! How could I forget candles? Oh, John, you idiot! It's decorated and candles, as you say, that attract sales tax. And of course, we scrapped the sales tax yeah. before the GST. Okay. The public's reaction was instant. The GST ruined Cape. And Houston's mistake was fatal. The interview gave Paul Keating everything he needed to take fight back to its knees and to win the election. It's been said that Houston never again ordered dessert, and he prefers to spend his birthdays alone. And while we may never know if fight back would have saved Australia, there's one thing we could all agree on. Take it away, Mike. If the answer to a birthday cake is so complex, you do have a problem with the overall GST. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, John Hewson had a very big problem. <laughs> you know, speaking of the cost of living, do you know how much it cost me to drive to Ray Martin's house and back? Uh, no. It cost me about... That's $17 in tolls. So there you go. There you go. And if you want to help us with the cost of living on this podcast, just simply go to irrationalfear.com, click on the Patreon links and chip in for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. Keep us on Although the we air. don't know how much coffee costs. Disclaimer, it could, it could cost $4. It could cost $100. <laughs> we don't know. Well, thankfully, thankfully on Patreon, you've got a $4.50 amount, but you've also got a $14.50 amount. So that's pretty good if you live in Western Australia, where I've just been for the last week. And boy, woo, coffee. It's, that's what it costs over there. And that is it for our episode on the cost of living. Join us next week. We're talking about the issue of foreign policy. Mm, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who came to our Melbourne Comedy Festival show with Grace Tame. It was absolutely sensational. 600 people crammed into the forum uh, to listen to everybody for an hour and 20 minutes. It was amazing. If you want to listen to that, that is on our Patreon feed only for the next two weeks. Also, a big thank you to Road Mikes, who supplied us with some gear for this podcast, the Jib Foundation, our Patreon supporters, and also we record our show on Gadigal Land of the Eora Nation. So big shout out to the First Nations folks whose land we live and work upon. And remember to vote rationally. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.